Tom, let's uh, start. First, uh, Tom, I think we've been uh, wrong, completely wrong. We've been focusing as a consulting uh, uh, firm specializing in supply chain management into inventory reduction, into distribution network optimization, manufacturing footprint, distribution um, network optimization, a lot of different things, in fact. And um, it's not that at all. So that's the provocative entry. <laughs> I mean, uh, yes, we have been focusing on that for years. And the change management consulting industry has developed some phenomenal tools, approaches, with a huge amount of value. But something has always sort of weathered these uh, successes together. Um, where we don't have so many tools, we don't perhaps put so much focus, but we do to some extent um, in virtually all the projects, which is we look at leadership development. And why, although the question there is, why is it important now? Maybe the question is, how, is the, how are the pressures on leadership changing? And perhaps now, why is it we're recognizing more and more the role of leadership in changing uh, and transforming businesses? Um, and it's because the world is changing. There are more pressures now that are coming upon leaders. Um, the way we work, for instance, we work much more in transient teams. So uh, typically, middle and senior managers will, will have their own functional responsibilities or their, <coughs> excuse me, business unit responsibilities. But they'll be crafted into other teams with other team members. And they have to be able to adapt and be effective in different team environments and in different project environments and different business unit environments. And these require skills which they have to be able to take with them and adapt according to those different environments. The other thing is in the world of work, people are becoming more impatient with their bosses. You know, a boss's authority can no longer be taken for granted just because of their functional position. They have to earn the trust, they have to earn the respect. And um, they have to be able to weld, weld their teams together. What we find is there's now more and more focus on human behavior. Um, and indeed, some of our clients will now say they treat human behavior as a leading indicator for performance improvement. So while we have been focusing, as you say, Frederick, on supply chain inventory reduction, uh, all those other good business, uh, business units work streams, um, more and more organizations are recognizing, actually, we need to get human behavior right. And that comes back to leadership skills as well, is how do you actually bring those uh, behaviors into some form of cohesive, effective functioning uh, tool, basically. And ironically, in order to get the team right, it starts with the self. It starts with self-awareness. It's very difficult to know how to manage people if you're not aware of yourself, who you are, your profile, your behaviors, your emotions, and also how other people see you. Because if you see yourself in a different way from the way other people see you, you cannot manage them effectively because you're not communicating with them in a way that's consistent with their perception of you. So what we do um, is we start with the individual. We look at the behaviors that impact work and which can be changed. I mean, there's some characteristics or traits that can't be changed and don't need to be changed. If you're an extrovert, you're an extrovert. 
if you're an introvert, you're an introvert. So what? It doesn't matter. You adapt according to what's required. However, there are other behaviors where if you're aware of them, you can decide if they're appropriate or not. How decisive are you? How indecisive are you? It's not to say one is right or one is bad. One is appropriate for one environment, one is appropriate for another environment. If you're in charge of turning around a business and basically the banks have given you three months to turn it into a cash neutral position as opposed to draining cash, you're going to be hyper decisive. You're going to accept you're going to get 50% of your decisions wrong and you know that you're going to fix most of the ones you get wrong and you'll come out the other end. If you're charged with actually developing a business in, a, in another territory and you're given a big budget to invest in doing it, you're not going to jump to snappy decisions. You're going to actually seek counsel. You're going to look for a lot of advice. You're going to do an awful lot of research before weighing up your options and then maybe taking a decision and certainly looking for consensus. So other end of the spectrum, but for a very good reason. Um, as you get to know yourself and as you get to understand your behaviors and the ones and whether those behaviors are appropriate and how you change them, you can develop space for yourself because you can begin to understand what it is you can bring to actually bring, make a difference. And uh, along with that, you can understand what your needs are. What are the barriers that are stopping you from being in the comfort zone? And the big part of the meeting is to actually lead into the unknown and to take people with you. Uh, knowing that you're going to the unknown, they know you're going to the unknown, and yet they trust you and they're willing to follow you into the unknown. So practically, uh, Tom, what does it mean? A manager should uh, first know himself in terms of uh, traits of characters, somehow uh, his weaknesses, his strengths, uh, and then communicate on it to his team, uh, to his uh, stakeholders internally? Yeah, I think it's you have to you have to be very clear and very consistent in your expectations of your team, um, and you also actually have to give them the confidence that you can support them through the journey as well. So, which leads us nicely onto the next slide. It's you have to also be a coach with the people because you're going to ask them to do things where you're going to take them out of their comfort zones. You're not going to change and transform unless people are doing things differently. If people are doing things differently, some of it will be within their comfort zones, but the chances are some of it will be outside of their comfort zones. So you have to take them there, and you have to give them the belief that actually this is exciting, this is value-adding, this is developing. They're going to come up bigger, stronger people as well, and they, they want to take part in the journey. That's very different from fear, from threat, from sanctions, um, which is a different leadership style. This is about actually developing your team so that they can deliver your future for you. So communication is absolutely vital. Um, and the consistency in terms of how you act and what you communicate is absolutely critical here as well. Otherwise, you lose your credibility and your authority. The other thing is, you mentioned about, we talk about our team. What we forget is our team is only part, in terms of the way we understand our team, it's only part of our human resource available to us. We have lots of stakeholders in an organization, and most people don't actually take the trouble or the time, or even give it a, a second thought, to map out who those stakeholders are. And yet, as a manager, your responsibilities to maximize the use of your value-adding resources available to you. And your stakeholders are value-adding resources, and you have to learn how to actually influence them and leverage what they can bring to you. 
that's a whole skill set that most leaders don't develop um, consciously. Some do it automatically and they're highly successful as a result of doing it. Yet it's something that every leader should do and most leaders don't do. Um, the other thing is uh, looking at the way you deal with your superiors. Uh, it's, you have to understand what they're looking for, not just to communicate with them in their language, but also to anticipate their requirements and to be to stay a step ahead of them. So we come back to the self-awareness question. Position yourself with those challenges ahead of you. And they're not daunting challenges. It's a bit like you know, the eating an elephant. You take it one bite at a time. But the thing is, you have to understand what it is that you actually have to do moving forward. It's no longer about being technically excellent or relying on your past experience. It's actually how do you harness all the resources available to you, bearing in mind. And I come back to this uh, question of we live in a world of transit teams. Bearing in mind that your stakeholders will change, as, as indeed your teams will change, depending on which team you're co-opted into. And therefore, the influence you're looking for, the results you're looking for, the impact you're looking for will be different. But your leadership skills are skills, basically, that enable you to function effectively in those different teams. So in short term, you are saying that uh, no robots will ever be able to replace the leadership skills of people, of managers, executives? <laughs> That's the good news? Uh, there's always somebody designing, building the robot and instructing the robot what to do. I mean, you know, we go back to, you can go back over an awful lot of history, going back to the Industrial Revolution in terms of automation or at least machines making it easier for man to work. No, I think at the end of the day, man drives robots, robots don't drive man. Good. I hope. <laughs> um, so, it sounds all very complicated, but if, if, if we keep to the basics, it's actually something that everybody can embark upon more or less successfully or to different degrees of success. The important thing is make sure your team delivers today because without delivering today, um, there is no tomorrow and you won't be given the chance to do what you need to do. So, Get your team to deliver today. It's not up to you to deliver today. If you're a successful leader, you've built a team that can actually do what it needs to do today. It enables you to focus on tomorrow. And tomorrow is about what will make a difference, what will move the needle. Because if you're not moving the needle, your competitor is moving the needle. Or your boss is going to find somebody to meet with the needle and replace you. So look at what makes a difference. And look for pace. It's such an underestimated uh, business requirement. You know, we settle into our budgets, our business plans. Not a lot of people look to overachieve, look to go faster. And we we have an axiom um, at B2G, which is overachieve in January to have a good quarter. If you have a good quarter, then you're going to have a good year. If you make your numbers in January, you're going to have a bad quarter in the first quarter, and you're going to have a bad year. So actually, the first two weeks, you could argue, are probably the most critical two weeks uh, in the entire year. So look for pace, get ahead of the game, because everything increases in speed uh, year on, year out. So all the bad news, the bad luck, the misfortunes that happened last year are going to increase in frequency and rapidity in the year that's coming. So you have to get ahead of the game 
we have to go faster and anticipate 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 stay one step ahead at least of your boss be able to show your boss that actually you've seen a problem coming before your boss has but and you've also got a proposed solution or you indeed you've enacted a solution so those are some sort of axioms it's not axioms there's some precepts rather that as a leader you should have firmly in your mind and you can't do that unless you're actually surrounding yourself with a good asset and one of the questions i often ask a client is um, what's your most important asset in this business and nine times out of ten not always but nine times out of ten the answer is well our people of course you then challenge them on that you say okay if it's your people tell me about the maintenance regime you have for this production line do you know your mean time between failures? Have you got planned maintenance? Have you got hit squads that can come in for unplanned downtime and fix it? The answer is yes, yes, yes. We monitor, we measure, we've got the tools are set up, um, and we're very, you know, we're very good at maintaining assets. Ask them the question about are they putting the same amount of effort into managing their people, and you get a different answer. So yeah, people are the most important asset, but they're the most they tend to be the most underutilized asset in the organization in terms of reaching the full potential. So build a team, make sure your team can deliver what you need to deliver. And it's not very complicated. It's a bit like starting with your own self-awareness. Start with the individual team and identify the individual development needs. They're all going to be different in terms of their starting point and their development needs. but you develop them as individuals and you align them to the business needs. You're turning them into a team. And you can then profile the team dynamics. There are a different set of tools for doing that and identify the team development needs. You now have a functioning team. And without a functioning team, you won't actually be able to deliver on the future. But take your time to understand the individuals and then bring them to the team. So, that gives you basically um, a very simple roadmap to delivering the future. Start with yourself and your team, self-awareness, what have developed needs, delegate down to your teams as, as they become individually more competent. That gives you the space to think about the future. Involve your stakeholders as much as possible. Understand the step-by-steps simple steps you can take to go beyond your comfort zones so plenty of tools available for you and for your team to do that and that allows you to develop your team that allows you to leverage collaborators uh, that allow that in, its, in itself gives you more uh, results business benefits that underpins your authority and it allows you to increase pace because you can become more demanding so from the business perspective, you're getting performance, you're showing predictability, repeatability, and profitability. Uh, that's a good base on which to start looking at how you actually develop the future. You can stretch your targets, you delegate now authority rather than tasks, and if you're delegating authority out, you can delegate results out, you can demand results now. And with that, you're in a position to review what's the strategic intent going forward. So, and that's all because you've developed yourself, you've developed the individuals who work for you uh, as individuals, and you've developed them as a team. Those are the simple steps going forward. So 
you can make it hyper complicated. That's a very uh, consulting type of uh, diagram, huh, Tom? Precisely. And it was done <laughs> for a consulting type of project. And maybe I could defend every bullet point and every box and every position. I'm sure you can. <laughs> but I don't intend to do that. Um, and the point I'm trying to make here is actually it doesn't have to be complicated. It's simple steps. Um, and it comes back to develop the leadership behaviors, align individuals for business strategy, develop the potential of the individuals, and you'll get a performing team. And the irony is, coming back to your question earlier on, Frederick, about will robots become, will robots become leaders? No. The irony is that this technology drives pace and it's the pace that drives the requirement for more decisions, more agile decisions, more frequent decisions. And therefore it's, it drives the increasing need for good leadership. This is something which is cross-cultural, cross-industry, cross-continents. This is about people. It doesn't matter what your culture is, what your industry is. This is about people in any industry, in any value-adding process, in any value-adding environment. You need to develop people, you need to develop your leaders, because without doing that, you won't actually move forward. Good. Thanks, Tom. So we'll take a few questions. I have um, one key question. How do you build a business case for a leadership development program? How do you sell it to a customer? And knowing that uh, most of them, they believe that um, developing their teams, as you mentioned, is um, is the right thing to do. Uh, but whether uh, they would do it and uh, the scale of uh, uh, how they would do it might be slightly different. Well, the first thing is, it's probably got the highest return on investment of any change management program. Um, and that's bad news for anybody trying to sell big transformation programs. Um, the investment is relatively light. So the issue around the return on the investment is not, is not a blocker, as it were. I mean, it's, it's a big tick. But the reality is, when you sit down with an MD, CEO, whoever, senior executive, and you just ask a few simple questions. How comfortable are you about your team delivering next year's strategy? And how successful are you delivering last year's strategy? And the answer is always, you know, well, you know, could do better. Actually, we've had a few challenges. We've had to revise certain things on the way. And then you say, have you got competent people? Yeah, I've got competent people. So the question here is, you're not, you don't need to replace people, but you don't need to upskill those people's, the people's leadership capabilities in order to meet your expectations in terms of delivering your strategy or business performance. So it's very much about, you're not saying the people are no good, you're actually saying the people are very good, but they're not functioning as a team, they're not, they're not optimized as individuals. And that's what actually makes the difference between, actually, we smash through all our targets last year and we're having a really good year this year and we're going to really progress and we're revising our strategy for next year because we think we can go a lot further it's not often you hear that kind of comment and it is simply because we're not functioning as optimally as we can as a team so how would you measure the um, the impact of a, a leadership development program so the the team is not functioning well we come into the picture fix your things 
and in the end? So, Where and how and how much? There are two things and they go hand in hand and it's not one or the other, it has to be both. You can put in very simple measures on how people function better as a team. And as you know, Frederick, we've had feedback from, from many directors of very large companies saying we can actually see the impact you're having across the business. And that's just after a matter of a few months. So there's an intangible uh, measure that you get from senior executives in terms of it's easier to deal with the individuals or they're coming up, they're delivering faster than we expected or they're changing the way they're actually approaching this and they're doing what we want them to do. So you get those intangibles. But when we set a program, when we set a coaching program with these guys, we focus on the business issues and the business targets and what they need to do and what is measurable on the P&L. So the discussions are about how are your numbers this month, how are your numbers this quarter, how are your numbers for the end of the year, what are we going to do about it? So uh, we measure in terms of, uh, we also measure in terms of financial impact on the P&L. Uh, if you can't do that, then actually, why are you doing it in the first place? Most, uh, I would say, individual coaches would come. Um, I'm not necessarily talking um, about uh, a firm, uh, but uh, individual coaches, and they would just focus on some leadership development skills uh, improvement, and uh, and that's it. Uh, but how to measure the the impact of this uh, change is uh, usually not very clear. So I think that's an important point to always link the uh, the performance of the business and the development of the team or uh, of an individual um, a manager, for example. Yeah, it is. And, you know, one of the um, another sort of indirect, intangible measure, indirect measure, I should say, it's very tangible, is um, somebody gets promoted. Um, well, not just somebody, but a whole bunch of people get promoted because uh, you don't get promoted until unless you can be replaced. And actually, if you're, if you're being successful, you're coaching your people who are sort of, who want to take your job because they're growing. And you might get poached by a competitor or a different industry into a bigger job. So, you know, upward movement of people is a very good non-financial measure, uh, but a very real measure. But at the end of the day, it has to come back to money on the table. You know, and there has to be clarity around that. And it could be, we never make our targets or we're not sure we're going to make our targets, but you underpin it and you overachieve, that's the result. Yeah. One question I have for you, Tom, can leadership be taught? Ooh. That's existential, really. Like <laughs> it is, it is. Um, can leadership be taught? Yes, it can be taught. Um, I think differently I think it comes back to the different leadership styles so it can be taught uh, on the basis of being true to yourself what you can do or rather how you should do it given who you are um, but uh, it's like most things if the person wants to be taught then it can be taught um, so I always think if you people are the most important asset because actually they're the ones who can deliver the most value. Um, and if you spend time actually developing people, uh, they, will, uh, they will learn, they will understand how to do it, and they will actually perform. So uh, I, don't think, I don't think we've ever approached 
a project where we thought, can these guys change, yes or no? The answer is they, they can change, they can learn. It just depends really on their willingness to do it. And around that, there are all sorts of motivational issues. And it can be that you, if they don't want to do it and you, you want to dig down a bit deeper, you'll understand what the motivational issues are and what the blockages are, and you can unpick those. Maybe you can't, in which case um, there are other issues there which, uh, which will block you. But by and large, it, you, know, you, you can deal with that and, and you can teach people. Okay, so how difficult it is to change, and can you uh, take us through, uh, I would say, a typical uh, process where you will uh, face a situation where a manager will want to uh, uh, to evolve, and um, and he's talking to you. So where where does it start, and what do you do? So we've got some fairly um, personal diagnostic tools uh, one of the one of the most important aspects of what we do is strict confidentiality because you're dealing with human beings and who they really are deep down inside and you have to get down to that level which we can do and part of the rules there is strict confidentiality so it's almost like a, a patient doctor relationship um, and we make it clear at the outset to whoever the top client is they will not see Uh, the outcome of our diagnostic in terms of the profiles of the individual. So they'll, they'll get a different sort of output. Um, so you build trust with the individual and we've got an approach, we've got several approaches which profiles people and they get to talk and you, you get to understand what, what are the blockages that stop them from developing, what are their development needs, what, What is it that's stopping them from going beyond their comfort zone? Um, and this is getting them to acknowledge that uh, and then to work with them on developing those uh, steps to unblock whatever it is that's stopping them from going beyond their comfort zones. We also have profiling tools that look at their behaviors. Uh, as I mentioned earlier on, the personality traits that we're not interested in because you can't change and doesn't matter. And we can profile people in terms of their level of decisiveness, uh, their ability to influence, um, the way they motivate people, their adaptability, their stress resilience. And these are all things that can actually be moved, um, that can be increased or reduced depending on the needs. So we start with an individual diagnostic um, process that looks at their behaviors and looks at their development needs. And again, very confidential. But on the back of that, we build development plans, which are not based on anything that we sort of, are not based just purely on their own person, on their own personalities and behaviors, but actually focus on business requirements. So the development plans are about what are they going to do differently? How are they going to prepare a meeting? Or indeed, what meetings are they going to stop going to? How are they going to start? Who are the most important stakeholders? We probably haven't even got a stakeholder map, so how do they map that out? How do they approach stakeholders they've never approached before, and yet they need to approach? How do they influence, how do they actually get people in the stakeholder population to help them when some of the stakeholders may never have heard of them? So very specific, crunchy, business-focused steps, always with an aim, which is, well, if we get you there, what, what, how will that be measured in terms of the business results? It could be 
Yes, so Thomas, the, the same manager uh, with the same skill set may have a different development plan depending on his business context. Yes, absolutely. Um, because it's got to do with, at the end of the day, that manager, that leader has to deliver a business result. So whatever we do with that individual, it's about delivering that result. But you're giving him or her transferable skills because taking them through this process of understanding themselves, understanding what's blocking them from going beyond their comfort zones, giving them the tools to go beyond their comfort zones, teaching them basic skills like stakeholder management, teaching them how to coach their people. Those are skills that they can take with them and adapt according to whatever team they might find themselves in, business unit they might find themselves in. So these are transferable skills that they can take to, with them into different um, working scenarios, but always with the focus on how you're moving the needle in terms of the business results you're meant to be de uh, delivering. Don't you have uh, an extensive uh, experience? Have you ever failed? When I say you, uh, leadership development program uh, didn't get where uh, you expected or the, the management of the company would have expected? Um, well, I think the simple answer to that is yes. Um, did we not meet expectations? Sometimes we didn't. Did we always move the needle? Yes. Was there always a significant return on investment? Yes. Um, has the door always been left open on the basis that they would want us to come back? Yes. But occasionally we didn't hit what we wanted to hit. And I can think of a couple of examples where um, uh, a senior executive was, was being coached for a particular role. And in the end, it was decided he may never make that particular role, but he developed enough that he could be promoted into a different role anyway and was, an, was viewed as being a much improved asset to the company. So it sometimes doesn't go 100% according to plan, but so far, touch wood, um, it's always delivered measurable benefits. And so far, touch wood, the clients have always asked us to come back. And so probably in a conclusion, Tom, uh, shall we say that the, uh, the team is the new hero? And we don't have to fear any robots, any bots, any AI, any blockchain. Yeah, I'd say to anybody, I'd say to a team of robots, bring it on. <laughs> well, you may um, start to coach the robots also, uh, Tom. <laughs> no, I think you need a robot to coach the robots. <laughs> Perfect. I don't know if you have any additional questions. I can't see much here, so I will close the, the session. Thanks a lot for your uh, your participation. And uh, you can follow us on uh, social media, uh, LinkedIn uh, mainly, but also Twitter uh, and Facebook for uh, our next webinars. Thanks a lot. See Thank you. Bye. you.